This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area in April 1st, 2024. Hello, everyone. This is Paul Brennan, PGA professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the Volunteer State. We will cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional amateur events, and dive into junior golf as well. We'll talk to players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite directories, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can also send me some questions at Instagram at pbrandon 21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore Golf Pro. So here it is, the last full week before time change. We're going to slip into the eternal darkness that is a Golf Pro's friend. Earlier nights, getting off work, getting home to see the family. Um, but we're going to talk, uh, took a lot of questions from the listeners this week. Uh, not a lot going on golf-wise. The Assistance Championship or Assistance Cup matches were played last week. We had talked about those. We do have the Challenge Cup. The professionals versus the AMs coming up, so we'll be reporting on that in upcoming weeks. But really, just diving in, um, we do have the Masters in November, which is still kind of weird to fathom. A couple weeks away on that, uh, the PGA Tour is in Bermuda playing this week. They'll be in Houston next week for the Shell, and then transitioning to Augusta. But just diving right into it, so getting a lot of questions about off season what to do, again, kind of going to be almost a fitting special again today, uh, and then everybody's keyword, distance, distance, distance. So let's jump right in. First, Josh wants to know the importance of fitting, and what do I get out of it? So Josh, the first thing we talk about in fitting is, again, as, as the conversation goes when I get that phone call, is what are you looking to get fit for? Uh, is it driver, woods, irons, hybrids, wedges, putter, the whole bag? And, and then... What do you not currently like about your clubs? Now, and I've said this for years, I consider a set of irons a five to eight year investment. Normally the technology changes enough then to justify a new set. Not necessarily needing a new set, but to kind of move that direction. And drivers are about a three to five year investment. So most of the manufacturers will not like me saying that, but that's just what I found over the years that there's not enough change from product to product. Now, what you get out of the fitting. So depending on where you go, um, and again, I've got a friend of mine that works at Club Champion, does an amazing job with that. We do our own fittings uh, at my center, uh, and everybody has a host of good fitting tips they can walk you through. But the biggest thing I look for to fitting is clarification. Um, is there a product better than what you have? Um, I know one of my first articles I did for the Tennessee Golf Quarterly was I took one of my students then through a driver fitting on the, one of the old R9s, which the only adjustments were the hosel, so it had eight different settings. And I had him hit every setting under one particular loft and one particular flex and just rotated around. So he hit one variation eight different ways and found a, a setting to be roughly 10, uh, 15 to 20 yards longer on fly 
just by getting the right fitting. Now, I can't always promise those type of results, but that's kind of what you'll see. But the clarification, is there a product better than what you have? And most everybody's in the driver world right now. It's all about hitting the long ball and hitting it far. And I agree by hitting it closer to the hole off the tee shot, your scores should improve. Um, so when you look at driver, um, the biggest things that we talk about are going to be launch angle, ball speed, and spin rate. Um, those are going to be measured by most every launch monitor out there. Now, the other hidden distance factor becomes angle of descent. Um, and what this is, this is the fall rate of the golf ball. And the lower the angle of descent is, the more it's going to run. But you do lose uh, carry if you can't hit it high enough. So it's just maximizing the club for you. Now, as we get into the winter, and it's going to be wetter conditions, you're not going to get as much roll, the higher ball flight's going to be the better because it will stay in the air and fly longer. Now, I don't mean pop-ups. I just mean good boring, or good height trajectory getting it up there and, and flying it as far as you can. Um, but at the end of, again, dealing with us, dealing with club champion, or dealing with me, club champion, whoever you're dealing with, most times you're going to get a written report or a printed report, and it's going to show you how your driver compared or how your irons compared, your wedges against yours, and you can help use that as your deciding factor. Um, so when I'm done, my report comes over. We'll tell you the amount of ball speed you picked up, the parallel carry distance you picked up. Um, generally, if I'm going through a fitting, for, I'm trying to maximize spin rate, launch angle, uh, and descent angle. And again, the reason that becomes important on irons is if your descent angle is too low, it hits and runs off. Um, like one of my students was fit somewhere else uh, and came in, and I'm never going to criticize the fitting because I was never involved in it. I didn't see the conditions. Um, but I know my student was fit before he started taking lessons. And so now some of the things that we've done to improve his contact in ball striking the club wasn't, and we'll just use a driver for instance on this, um, the driver wasn't quite working. Um, and again, the the wasn't anything the other fitter did, it's just the swing has changed. And, and so we were able to take one of the adjustable clubs and make some adjustments to that driver and get the distance back to where he was when he did the fitting. So as we made swing changes, the characteristics of the club changed and needed to make some changes, whether it be loft, uh, movable weights in this case that we went through it so again it's that clarification of that you have the best club in the bag for you uh now we may find clubs that are a couple yards longer is that worth you paying more money that's completely up to you and we have those conversations as we go through it um but again josh i would tell you the biggest thing and what do you get from its clarification it's knowing that the club in your bag can help you hit the shot you're trying to hit um, I'll tell a lot of my students this, if you're making a good swing with all your irons, your fairway and your hybrid, and the driver's not working, it's probably the driver's fault. There's not enough change in your swing that your driver's not going to perform remotely close to the rest of the shots. Now, yes, length of club can influence ball flight, and I don't even want to go into all that. Um, but again, it's just the clarification. It's knowing that there's nothing better in the buy, uh, out there. What you have is the best thing for you, or, or as good as it gets. Uh, and that way it gives you the confidence to go and hit that shot. So, Josh, if you haven't already been fit, give us a call. I'd love to get you in there or call. Again, you can go Dick Sporting Goods, Golf Galaxy, Club Champion, your local club. There are fitters all over the place who can definitely help you through that. Uh, next question. Uh, again, stayed on the fitting side here a little bit. But Paul wanted to know how to choose a set makeup. Does brand and style of club matter? 
And the answer to that is obviously yes and no. Um, you see the guys and girls on the big tours, um, most of which, and I say most meaning the majority of, are on some type of contract from a manufacturer. So they're paid to play product, whether it's 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 clubs, whatever their contract states. Um, you have a few renegades, uh, Brooks Kepka, who does not currently have a equipment deal. Uh, he plays what he wants to play. When Nike dissolved their club division, um, he just kind of freelance, brown bagged it, um, as I jokingly say, and started playing what he liked the best. And he currently plays Mizuno Irons, but we saw an interview with him earlier this year, um, about his driver and, you know, they asked him what he's hitting. He goes, they're not paying me to play it, so I'm not going to say their name. Um, so again, very few people are doing the play what they hit the best. And again, any manufacturer will give them clubs. So it's not like they're out buying them at your local golf shops. Um, but they're not getting paid to play it. So that kind of opens up the eyes. I know Luke Donald for years, um, has been a Mizuno staffer and has been their, you know, their number one guy and one player of the year on, uh, and the order of merit on the PJ tour and the European tour in the same year. Um, but for a long time, he didn't play the Mizuno driver. He's transitioned to it. I mean, he's played it a lot over the last several years, and, and the drivers have always been good. But it's just finding what works better for you. And if, again, if somebody's not paying you to play that product, they kind of move on. So does brand make a difference in my fitting process? Not at all. Uh, I am not loyal to any of my brands, meaning you have to hit it. I read your results and have you test the product. Now, I know what everybody else is hitting and playing and and, and hits pretty well, so we're, we're definitely going to go through a mix of the bag to see what's there. Um, but it's really looking at the make and the model. I mean, you see that most, well, if we look at the, the two big, TaylorMade um, and, and Callaway through this year, they both have three variations of their driver. If you're in the Maverick, you have the regular, the Sub-Zero, and the Max. If you're in the Sim, you have the Sim the Max, and the Max D. Again, three variations. Uh, if you're looking at Titleist, uh, now their new TSI series is getting ready to launch and will only come out as two. You will see multiple versions released later, I'm sure. But when it first was the TS, it came out as the two and the three. Then the one and the four launched. They had four variations uh, of their driver. So they're always making clubs based on a condition you're looking for. Do you need to spin it more, spin it less, hit it higher, hit it lower? Things like that, and the shaft can help with that. But as far as the brand, it's whatever you hit the best. I've gone through numerous fittings where, you know, I have a, a hot brand. We'll, we'll call it X for this six. And, you know, in seven out of ten drivers, I fit go into X. And then a month changes, and I get a whole new group of students come in, and now seven out of ten go to Y. And it's just how the numbers produce for that. Um, now, style of club, yes, this makes a huge difference. Um, You'll see coming up in uh, February, the uh, Golf Digest uh, hot list uh, generally comes out. Uh, you'll see a lot of that testing and, and information coming out uh, in late January. But they have broken it down into, used to be three styles. You had Game Improvement, you had Players Club, and then you had a Blade. Um, now they've introduced a Super Game Improvement and combo sets, and you, you can get as many classifications as you get, but... The things that you start looking at, if you're a double-digit handicap, if you're consistently shooting 90 or higher, you need a club that's pretty easy to hit that you can hit across the face and still get playability. Um, if you start transitioning to breaking 90 consistently, 
um, and shooting into the 80s, then you can start to look at smaller profile, cast, possibly forged cavities. Um, and again, there's all kinds of markets for these. Uh, and then once you get consistently breaking in the 70s and getting closer to even par, you can definitely see that the tour guys play more of a, a forged blade style club. Now, I always use Rory Sabatini as an example. Uh, Rory played the old Nike Ignite clubs. This was the hybrid set, easy to hit, big offset, um, just game improvement club. And he was playing on tour with this club. So it kind of broke the mold of uh, all tour pros play blades. And you've seen a lot of other guys make transitions. Uh, you see a lot of manufacturers are, are doing straight blades and then forged cavities. And, and the guys are playing mixes and matches. Uh, I know Justin Thomas plays a lot of combinations of MB and AP2 and TMB and, and things like that into his mix. Um, Zach Johnson has played AP2 for the majority of, uh, for a long time with a little bit of sprinkling of AP1s and the long irons because he hits them higher and they stop on the greens better. Um, so again, when you look at the style of the club, it's really looking at the performance you're looking for. If you're trying to work the ball and, and hit it high and hit it low and do different things with it, then you want to actually harder to hit clubs so that you can manipulate it. If you're just trying to hit the exact same shot over and over, you want more of a game improvement to safer game improvement so you can just make one golf swing and get the elevation. Um, so, Paul, I hope that kind of answers the brand and the style side. Now, going back to set composition, um, for me, it's it's about equating the distances. Um, where I like to start uh, is go through the iron fitting. Uh, and, you know, we'll do the test fits and, and figure out length and line goal and, and shaft flex and everything like that. And then as we get into set composition, we decide do we want the pitching wedge or the approach wedge or even possibly the sand and the lob to the set we're looking at. And, and you know, a lot of the, the more game improvement clubs will offer that and you get into more of the, the tour style or blade style. They won't offer those approach wedges and sand wedges. You have to go to something uh, else on that. So when we start doing the wedge, once we isolate the irons, we move into the wedge fitting. And the way I do the wedge fitting is depending on if we choose pitcher approach in most cases. I have you hit some full swings with it. Um, you know, and so we'll just say that whatever club we've chosen for you, Paul, has an approach wedge to the set that you hit pretty solid and you like the feel of it. So we hit it and we figure out how far it goes. We get a good estimate number. Now we hit the pitch wedge and figure out how big of a gap there is between those. And I'm, you know, I will always say 10 yards, but ideally I'm looking 8 to 12, 15, just borderline almost too much, but I can kind of get away with uh, 15. But anything over 15, there's too big of a gap. You need to fill a club in there. Um, and so then whatever that gap is between the pitch and the approach, uh, we want to match. We want to then find your shortest full swing. Um, so if you decide 50, 60, 80 yards, whatever it is, we, we match the loft to isolate that. And then once we've done that, we look at how big of a gap between that high lofted wedge and your approach wedge and how many wedges do we have to fill. Now, some of my students, I'll put five wedges. Some students will only put three wedges. really depends, again, on how they're hitting it in their gaps. Um, but once you've isolated that for your scoring area, now we kind of see how many clubs we have left in the back. We know we're going to have to have a driver. Um, are we going to need a three-wood, five-wood? Are we going to need a hybrid? What was the longest iron? And again, we kind of do that gap-fitting the same way through because the last thing you want is a 30 yard gap on one end of your bag 
and yet you're hitting two clubs within seven yards of each other. So you're always trying to consistently give that gap. Now, you will see the guys on the tour are more like a 12 to 15 yards, but they all have a little extra when they want it so they can close those gaps when they need to. But again, for the average player, like I said, I'm going to say 8 to 12. But it's just figuring out where you're playing. If you're playing longer golf courses and you're having to hit more mid-long irons into the greens of par fours, then I would probably transition you more to a hybrid, something that's a little bit easier to hit, more forgiving, and will get closer to the hole in your miss hits. Um, if you're playing a lot of shorter golf courses, playing everything from inside 150, then we might not get as detailed on the high end um, and definitely carry some more wedges down there. So, Paul, looking at set composition, makeup, a brand and style, um, the brands, whichever one you hit the best, um, and, and there is no guarantee every year. It is always going to be different just because the way the clubs are manufactured. The style, definitely don't grow into your clubs. I know a lot of people come in, I want to be this, so we'll buy those clubs now. It's like saying your six-year-old's going to wear a size 10 and a half, so that's what I'm going to start buying now. It just doesn't always work. Fit for where you are today uh, and then refit down the road if we need to. And then set makeup really depends on the golf courses you're playing. You know, if you're playing a variety of golf courses, um, the PGA Tour guys, they carry multiple clubs um, to the set. I know, I think I've talked about this before. My buddy uh, Kip Henley uh, caddies on tour. Um, currently, he's caddying for Stuart Sink when Stuart's son's on his bag. Um, but he caddied for Brian Gay for over 10 years. And Brian, a lot of times, would carry two and three sets of irons out on the golf course. And he would hit those shots from the fairway and figure out turf interaction, which one felt better, which one worked through. And so he may have a, a set composition of three different makes and models of irons in his bag for the competition. He may have a five and six of this model and a seven, eight of this and the, the wedge nine of this. And it changed week to week again, depending on the golf course. So I'm not telling you to go buy three or four sets of clubs there, but you might want to have um, USGA says 14. You might want to have, 16 to 18 that can work their way into the bag depending on length and uh, the golf course you're playing. So brand, whatever you hit the best, style, definitely cater towards your skill level and in set composition, just get with somebody, go through the fitting process and figure out what you need there. Now here comes Pat with the DeChambeau question. How do I get more distance, distance, distance? Um, again, I'm fielding this one a lot, but again, he, you, you wrote it three times, so it made me a little more apt to kind of want to answer the question. So again, Pat, I know I've talked about this, you know, it's, it's going to be number one technique. Are you hitting the ball in the middle of the face? Number two, it's going to be the golf club's fault, as we've talked about with Josh and, or the golf club's fault with Josh and Paul's questions. Uh, and then finally, it's the, the physical side. And that's what Bryson's done so differently. Um, with his bulking up and, and mass and size and creating more speed. And again, if you haven't already looked at it, type in Chris Como's living room and you'll just see that he's hitting shots. Uh, Como has a, a basketball goal in the corner of his room uh, and off the side of his living room. And he's just, they've got a net set up there and just hitting shot after shot. And they've got all kinds of sensors and monitors as they're reading what he's doing to control flight. Um, but, you know, the easiest thing to tell is on your driver, Pat would be buy some impact tape um, or take some foot powder and spray it on your driver and go to the driving range. And if you're not hitting in the middle of the club face more than half the time, it's probably a technique thing. Um, I've seen multiple reports where if you hit 
again, depending on clubhead speed, but just the, the general basis, ball speed of roughly around 130, 140 miles an hour, um, which is going to fly between 200 and 220. Um, if you hit it on the low center of the club, you're going to lose roughly seven miles an hour, and every mile an hour is about two yards of carry. So you'd hit it 15 yards less by hitting it low in the center than you would in dead center. And so if you're not able to hit the middle of the face, it's more of a technique. Now, if you're hitting in the middle of the face consistently, that's where we start to look at. Is it the loft? Is it the flex? Is it the weight of the driver? Is it the adjustable the variables that we have on there? Um, and then if it, you're, you know, you're doing all that you can, then it's the physical side. Um, and I know I went through the super speed sticks uh, about this time last year, and I saw significant gains. Uh, now, I did not continue it throughout the the lockdowns and quarantines, I'd left them at work and just didn't go get them while I was working from home there uh, for a while. But I saw significant gains with those. Uh, it was a huge improvement. I, I got to talk to the the owners and the guys who run the directors uh, of their programs. I went through and did their certification. Um, and Super Speed Golf, you can check them out. I'm not endorsing the product by any means, but it's definitely something out there. We've seen Mickelson claim he picked up about seven miles an hour club at speed going into last year. Uh, we know he uses them along with a couple of other things, so it's not just Super Speed. Uh, but they normally say in their first six-week protocol, their workout program, they see about 5% club head speed improvement. So if you're swinging 100 miles an hour, they say they can probably get you up to about 105. Again, not a guarantee, just normally what they see as they go through the process. So, Pat, look at that. I know earlier in the year I covered golf fitness. Uh, so depending on where you're at in Tennessee, we'll search the MyTPI website. Uh, they can definitely help you find some people who are knowledgeable with the golf swing and how the body works. They can walk you through the assessment process and start making recommendations on strengthening and stretching drills to help you with some more speed. But I'm always going to say tech, check with technique first because people do a lot of things incorrectly trying to get distance that are actually distance killers. Um, so get with your PJ professional, have somebody look at your swing, figure out what's going on, then pursue the club fitting and then the physical side. But if you want the distance, those are the three ways that you're going to get it, or a combination of all three, depending on what you need to work on. All right, so Jack, I kind of like this one. This is coming up for 2021 goals. He's wanting to know how to get tournament ready at a 12 handicap. So first of all, Jack, what I'm going to tell you to do is get in, if you're not already a member of your golf association, your local club, whether you're a private or a public course, uh, just about always going to have a, a golf association. Uh, they're going to run tournaments throughout the year. Get involved in those. Um, as a 12, you know, you're consistently shooting in the, in the mid to low 80s, probably breaking into the, the high 70s every now and then, but just not doing it with enough consistency. Um, but start putting yourself in tournament situations. Um, the first thing to start doing is put everything out and play the ball down. Um, it's really easy to get a bad lie in the middle of the fairway and, you know, just, oh, I'll, I'll bump it up a little bit. Well, you can't do that in most tournaments. And so that's actually hurting your game, even though it helps your score and makes you feel better about yourself. We're not seeing the, the, the benefits there. Um, I know I played in a, an event with uh, one of my students um, last week and uh, two day event. It, it was awesome. We had a lot of fun, but getting to play with different handicap levels and seeing, you know, that we played, uh, second day with a particular guy who was currently a nine handicap but he hit the ball much better and it was just chipping and putting and as we were at lunch talking about it 
you know, several years ago before the kids, he was a one. Um, he just plays for fun, recreational, not as much now. Um, and so his game has slipped a little bit. So for him, it's short game. Um, he hits the ball far enough. He hits it solid enough. He's around the green, has a lot of good chances, just doesn't chip and putt as well. Um, but again, that's the benefit of when you're playing the ball down, you get used to those. You kind of get over those nervous um, hitches or glitches or whatever you want to call them. So Jack, definitely start playing the ball down more. Start playing in some of these local tournaments um, at your local club. Uh, branch out if you're here in the Nashville area or Memphis or Chattanooga, Knoxville, wherever you're at. Uh, the bigger cities will have a a municipal tournament um, that is open to to pretty much anybody uh, that is an amateur that wants to come in and play. And, you know, there's a flighty division, so you don't have to play against the, the college kids. Uh, but people of similar handicap level will be paired together, and you'll, you'll play and go forward. So putting yourself in some tournament situations, um, if you haven't already, play some of the pro-amps. I go over those almost every week. But we've got those throughout the state, Memphis, Chattanooga, Nashville, Tri-Cities, uh, Knoxville, have a pro-am just about every Monday from March till about October. Um, so again, just getting yourself out there and playing in events so that you become more accustomed to it. Um, once you've completed a season of that, start reaching out to some of the state tournaments. Go to the TGA uh, website and look at state open qualifiers and state am qualifiers or mid-am qualifiers, four balls, uh, competitions like that where you're actually putting yourself out and getting to meet other players. Um, nobody plays golf their best the first time they get there. Um, it, it's getting confidence, getting their feet underneath them and getting comfortable out there competing so then it's something you've done before so definitely look at your local golf associations um local events and see what you can do there jack steve how to play better in the winter well i kind of covered it a little bit earlier in the part of the importance of fitting but this time of year it play a softer compression ball first and foremost so it's getting colder you lose three to five yards for every 10 degrees in temperature the golf ball goes less and less. So you automatically, if you're playing in 40 to 50 degree weather, you're hitting it, you know, 8, 10, 12 yards shorter than you normally would in the summer. So by playing a softer golf ball, you'll at least get some of that back. Um, the other thing is, you know, hitting hitting it higher off the tee or possibly moving up a tee box. Um, I know a lot of the, the private clubs will actually shut down their, their back tee boxes as the area, the temperature drops the golf course gets a little bit shorter a little bit shorter so you can can play and still shoot similar numbers to what you're looking at um but again the really the things i would say is sit down and look at your assessment um and like i talked about that nine handicap earlier great ball striker just his short game was there so steve go through this analyze your own game you know Track with how many fairways you're hitting, how many greens you're hitting, how many putts you're averaging, how many up and downs you're averaging. Um, and then use that to figure out why you're shooting the scores you're shooting. Um, and if it's, you know, your putting that you need to work on, then buy one of the putting mats or buy some of the putting training aids. Go take a lesson on it. Try to, get, you know, get yourself in a better position, but work on it over the winter. So find a couple of hours a week. And when you say it that way, just it's really not that much. Find 15, 20 minutes a day that you can roll putts in your living room, your basement, your upstairs, your office, whatever it is. Um, but just spend the time with that. If it's chipping, put some towels in your backyard. Uh, I know I've talked about my chipping drills with my nets that I'll do at the house. Um, you don't have to have a golf course. You don't have to have a putting green or a chipping green. You just need something to land it on. 
because every golf course is going to react differently. If you guys play in the U.S. Open, it reacts differently than Augusta will in November. Augusta in November is going to react differently than Augusta in, in April. Um, so that's adjusting to your condition. But if you know how to hit it 15 yards on the fly, 15 yards on the fly works everywhere. Now, how much it rolls from 15 yards, that's what you have to start to adjust. So that way you can start to process this. Is it your short game? Is it your putting? Is it your irons? Is Are you hitting enough fairways and you're not hitting enough greens because you're not hitting your driver far enough? Um, going back to the the pat, distance, distance, distance. But using these things to help analyze your game, and the winner will really show that to you. Um, I know most of the times if I'm playing November, December, I'm automatically dropping a club or two. So if I'm hitting, you know, nine iron for 150 in July, I'm hitting seven iron for 150 in February. Um, just because it's colder, I've got more layers on, I'm not making as aggressive of a swing, the golf ball doesn't go as far, but I'm just giving myself the most chance or the most opportunity to hit the green by doing that. So get over the ego uh, of how far you hit it in the winter, just try and get it the ball in the hole and score better. So, Steve, do the analysis, break down your game. I know I talked about it a lot, building your goals, but that's what you would be using this information for. And kind of goes back to what Jack's need to do to get tournament ready. Just look at a self-reflection. This is a great time. I know one of my students played in this club championship. Um, it's the first time he's played competitive golf since high school. Um, and he's been out of high school for, you know, several years now. But he finished third overall. And I was like, okay, write a journal. What, you know, where did you give away shots? What happened? Let's talk about it. And, you know, we, we talked about some distances and you know, a certain shot and, and working the ball and things like that. And so we're able to use that to help break down is learning. So by keeping the golf journal, um, and this is something I've done for years, whether it was written in books or um, keeping it in some type of Excel or Word program on a computer or now keeping it in some stat tracking data uh, on my phone, I'm always looking at it, learning something from it, so I can look back at a round and see my short game was good, my, my, my driving was bad that day, or, or whatever it was. Um, so again, it doesn't have to be these long novels, but you know what? What are you looking on? How are you losing the shots that you're losing? Well, that's enough of a lecture, everybody, on how to play better golf. So again, this is Paul Brennan with Believe in Tennessee Golf here on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. You can also find us on your favorite directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, LumenIn, TuneIn. You can keep the questions coming on Instagram at pbrandon21 or at on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. You can find all our podcasts on Believe.com or on at Believe Podcast. Um, time changes this weekend. So we're going to lose some time, so it's going to be tougher to get out after the rounds or after work uh, during the week. So definitely find some time to sneak out over the weekend and get just, you know, some little work here and there. It's not about playing golf every weekend, but it is about working on your short game, chipping, putting a little bit every week. So everybody take advantage of the 63 days and have fun. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Get $750 cash towards the lease of our 2024 NX350 all-wheel drive. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease cash offer and pricing details. Restrictions apply. Not all customers will qualify. Offer available in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.